books with Aaron, Paul, Tim, and Wayne. I'm Aaron. I'm Paul. This is Wayne. This is Tim. It's a Tim. Mm -hmm. I understand that if I wanted to see you last week, there might have been a two-drink minimum. Well, there was. Um, You know, I I told you guys uh, Mikey Mikey Mason was in town a few weeks ago, and when I was there, I heard that they had an open mic uh, thing on Mondays. And so, you know... I delude myself to think I'm kind of funny, so I'm like, I think I could come up with something for five minutes. So I, uh, uh, this past Monday, I, I performed at the Comedy Quarter in uh, like Appleton. So it was about a five-minute show. Uh, there was about 15 people, and uh, reviews are, said I was pretty good for my first time. So Tim, mm-hmm. what was your bit? What was my bit? Yeah. Um, uh, what was the okay? So my opener was—I'll tell you my opening line. My opener was: If you take nothing else away from my act, you can at least know you can answer the age-old question of what if John Goodman and Zach Galifianakis had a love baby. <laughs> that was my opening bit. It's funnier if you could see me because <laughs> I hadn't shaved. So I had to keep going, it, it might be funnier too if I had any clue who the other person was besides John Goodman. There, you've never seen The Hangover, Wayne? No, I haven't. Man Carter uh, vote. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just because the marketing on The Hangover was so poor. Oh, God. You know. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I kind of rambled because I, I um, you know, I told a little bit of a joke about where I'm from. And then I then I, then I I did the nudical bit, which you guys already heard live uh-huh. a few weeks ago. And that's all the time I had. So, so wait a Tim, minute. Let me see if I got this right. You're you're using our show to try out bits for your comedy act. No, it's, uh-huh. I I got angry on this show and I thought it was funny enough. To <laughs> no, I'm not. You guys are in a soundboard. We're more like I don't know. He's it's, recycling, but he, he's he's telling your jokes on the air. I'm assuming. These are more like therapy session for me. It's not really. I I have it in my head that Tim is the next Sam Kinison. Or perhaps Bobcat Goldthwait. Um, my buddy, my my buddies say I should go with the Lewis Black style. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um, and I, I think that. that would probably fit pretty well. But when I was up there, I wasn't really PO'd, so it didn't really work. <laughs> you, you just gotta, you know, think about things that enrage you, Tim. You should talk about digital comics, Tim. Really? <laughs> That's right. Oh yeah. <laughs> All one guy would laugh at that. <laughs> I, that would be Mikey Mason when he's there. <laughs> I think you should save your rage for us. Fair enough. Save the uh, rage. I have enough. I, I, I spread it out to everybody. My gaming <laughs> group gets some. My wife gets a lot. I give you something to you guys. Work gets a little. Sometimes he beats up random kids on the street. <laughs> oh, if, if only I could do that and not go to jail. Yeah, I just envisioned Tim walking down the street, randomly turning, grabbing a kid, and just you know, just starting to punch him while screaming. What do you mean you and Aaron were talking? What do you mean we're switching systems again? Just randomly screaming, get off my lawn at kids who aren't even on my lawn. That's right. You know, That's right. Got somebody else's lawn. Too. Gut punch on, just right up, you know, in the gut. And maybe we'll get to see some of that at Fear the Con this week. <laughs> you think? <laughs> Note to everyone: Keep your kids away from Tim <laughs> Ooh, and Wayne. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, Wayne, tell us about the preparations for Fear the Con. Uh, it is uh, 
it's very, very soon at this point. I mean, this <laughs> this year the count has really snuck up on me. Um, people are starting to arrive as early as tomorrow. Actually, there's going to be tourism stuff going all through the week with people, um, leading right up to the you know the con itself starting Friday and Saturday, and I still have work left to do on my game. Yeah, I got. I have some work yet to do on mine as well. Uh, I I was telling Paul earlier that I know what I'm doing every night for the rest of the week. <laughs> Masturbating. Well, yeah, I, that, that's how you know I get best most of my my best uh, ideas on on games. So <laughs> when they go down the drain in the shower. <laughs> wow, well, no, one be idea gets through. <laughs> it's going to be interesting this year because it's in a new location. So. There's a lot of uh, a lot of the prep work right now is trying to figure out where are we putting the tables, how are we putting the tables, what's going to go in each room, because it's you know not the same location. Right. So Wayne, I'm thinking you should have a special funny books room where it is only one table and they can record without any background noise. Just putting that out there. Well, you know he'd probably do that, Paul, if you were going to be there. He doesn't even know me. <laughs> Yeah, I probably won't even notice Paul's not there. I mean, fair. Once, I, once I run into you guys at the con, you can just point to some random person that I don't know and say it's Paul, and I I won't know. Well, Thistledown John needs a new job title, so yeah, new Paul. Paul, new Paul. Oh no, I recognize Thistledown. Lame. Damn. <laughs> Andrew, Andrew can be fake Paul. Oh no, I'd recognize Andrew too. I hate all of you. <laughs> so Tim, are, I, got, are you... I, got a, I got a friend coming. He can be he can be fake Paul. Okay, that'll work. So you Tim, are all as your I am, though, so it's not going to work as well. But if you squint, Tim, are all your games ready? Knights of Rainsboro is done. Yeah, we Saturday, are a Saturday fight morning. group of procrastinators, so aren't we? All the characters are done for Saturday morning, and the prep work is basically done. Yeah, it's whether I decide to like go into F and detail or decide to wing some of it a little more. See, I've we'll got see. the opposite. I've got all my prep work done, but I have to go through and uh, make the characters still and print them out. Are there any spots left in any of your games? No. Oh yeah. Not in mine. I'm full. I'm, I'm fully staffed. Uh, Kay, uh, the the, uh, the Rainsboro game has uh, a couple spots left. Oh, so you hear that? If you're in St. Louis next weekend, attend Fear the Con, play some Knights of Rainsboro with Tim. They're alternates, but I see them, which apparently I got grief for. I don't understand that. But why did you get grief for seating your alternates? I don't know. People are whining, saying if you have alternates and you say you're going to seat them, why don't you just make more seats? Well, you know, I like to have the alternates in there so that if the alternate shows up and you know he's got a droopy eye or something, I can say, "I'm sorry, dude, we're full up." That's what <laughs> I like. <laughs> your eye bugs me, man. No, it's got- more it's more of a fact that, you know, when you post your game two months in advance and people decide they see other things they want to do more. Right. Then the alternate moves up and you don't yeah. lose anything. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you, Tim. I do uh I'll have an extra character for at least one of the alternates if they show up. I, I don't get the uh the people that complain about seating the alternates at all. I, I think it's a nice thing to do. Yeah, I would. I, agree. I would say that it, it's much better to do that than tell people to piss off. So whatever. But I'm all about telling people to piss off, Tim. Yeah, but you can do that while they're gaming, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> I often do. You do the slow, creepy. Oh, you went into this room. Okay, I'll get back to you in five minutes. Yeah. Oh shit! Game's <laughs> over. <laughs> By the way, you were dead. <laughs> 
We're looking at you, Thistle Down John, AP.com. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and Andrew. <laughs> I think Andrew made it all the way to the end. No, he didn't. <laughs> no. He died trying to save you, Paul. Yeah, at the end. Uh, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, really, it's you're not. the downfall of both this podcast and gaming. <laughs> really, I'm, <laughs> I know what it is. I'm like the Yoko Ono of everything. Well, you know, the, the great thing about uh, doing the uh, Rainsboro Con game is that I don't. I get to choose which powers are going to be in the game since I'm doing pre-gen characters, and so I don't have to do any any characters that that powers confuse me. <laughs> it's kind of a nice experience. <laughs> what are you trying to say? Hair trigger doesn't make sense to you. Gold-based technology powers don't make sense to did you. Did you see that I've got a gold-based technology-powered uh, person in my game? I did not. She's called Golden Girl, <laughs> <laughs> and she is a gold-based technology-powered cyborg. I'm excited. Yeah. Paul, there was nothing about your powers that would be confusing because you didn't really use them much. I mean, <laughs> you had guns and stuff, but you know, you basic punching, that's that's easy enough. Well, that's true, that's true. <laughs> there, there was the, you know, teleporting and then not using it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See? Makes sense to me. <sighs> Good uh, so I'm a little sad that I'm gonna be missing Fear the Con. You should be sad. But I'm going to make, you know, to make up for it, I'm going to have an extra geeky weekend next weekend. I'm going to go see the 9 a.m. IMAX 3D showing of Avengers on the day it comes out. And, uh, of course, Saturday, while you guys are uh, gallivanting in St. Louis, I will be at my comic shop for free comic book day. Yeah, I I really think the free comic book day people should have uh, looked up and seen when Fear the Con was (laughs) the same day. Yeah, and coordinate that. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a big deal. And the Avengers release. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm excited about Free Comic Book Day. There's some really good stuff this year. Yeah, rub it in. Yeah, I'm, I, well, I'll, I'll, I'll take – no, I won't take pictures because that's illegal. But I'll take pictures of the covers. <laughs> I said, look I what I have. pictures of you. Yeah. I'm like, this is me in my comic book shop on Free Comic Book Day eating free pizza. See, I'm not upset about this at all because my comic book guy has agreed to hold my free comic book day comics for me. I just want you to know that that's your, unacceptable. Your that's comic cheating. book shop has free pizza on free comic book day? My comic book shop? Yeah, they have free uh, – in the morning they have bagels and donuts and in the afternoon they have free pizza. And face I'm painting, je- Wayne. Face I'm painting. jealous. <laughs> I'm even more jealous because I know that out of everything that's going to come out, what's going to hurt missing the most – is going to be that hardcover. Yes. I, I want that thing, but I know that it's going to go so quickly. I mean, all of the shops are going to open, and it's going to be gone. It's It's got to be gone quickly, within the first hour. Yep. And supposedly it's really nice. The comic shops have been getting these books for the last couple weeks. Right. In fact, I saw the them. Cover? Mouse Guard. Mouse Guard. Oh, yeah. Um, Last uh, and when I went to my comic shop the other night, the guy was putting on you know store stickers because each free comic book they has like a little white spot where you can put a sticker for your store, and he was putting the stickers on the comics. And I'm like, dude, can you just give me the shit right now so I don't have to come back that Saturday and deal with the crowd? <laughs> um, no. he, he did not. Yes, yeah. he did not. Yeah, well, but, you know, my, my comic guy kind of did the same thing because he's got them. You know, he says there's just a few more stragglers coming in this week, but you know, he's like, man, the Mouse Guard book is beautiful. And I was like, okay, I just get it now. No. <laughs> but, you know, I'm not going to yeah. be here. I'm not going to be here that week. And you're going to hold them anyway, so why don't I just get them now? No. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want that, obviously. I want the new 52 from DC. I only want the uh, new 52 because they're supposed to be teasing some new stuff in there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not a it's not a reprint book. It, it right. is new material. That yeah, just unlike the Avengers Age of Ultron point one, which is a complete reprint of a book from last year, the new 52 yeah. is actually all original content. Well, not only that, Mar- Marvel's other book is a reprint, too. Yeah. It's a it's a preview of Spider-Man season one. Yeah. Um, now, I am excited. DC's other book is uh, Superman Family Adventures, which is a new Johnny. I, I think they're called Johnny DC, like the kid DC books yeah. Yeah. Uh, by the team who did Tiny Titans. Yeah. And the book actually looks like a lot of fun. So I'm kind of looking forward to that one. Um, Atomic Robo, of course, every year. Free comic book day. One of the best books. Yeah. I'm actually a, a little curious about the Valiant preview. I mean, it's not oh, actually a, a, a reader book, but at least we'll get to see some of the artwork from Valiant. Yeah, I yeah. can't wait for some of these Valiant books. I mean, I'm going to buy the first issue of every one that comes out just hey. to give them a try. Exo Manowar is next week, by the way. I am so excited about that because I was a big fan of the original. Aaron, you're on that like white on rice, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there are there are definitely some good ones. I mean, there are some stinkers out there too. Like, uh, honestly, both Marvel books just seem kind of lame. Images yeah. book just looks kind of. Eh, it's to me really too. disappointing that Marvel's not doing something better because they've done those. Uh, they've done the Spider-Man books the last few years that have been all new content. But you know what I'm wondering? I'm wondering if some of the companies are saving their good books for the second free comic book day because remember that they announced that there would be a second free comic book day this year uh around halloween time i wonder if they're you know some of them are saving you know their their good material for the the halloween free comic book day but are you saying burt ward boy wonder isn't the good stuff is that a blue water? <laughs> that's a blue water comic book isn't it it is yeah <laughs> uh sigh well, My you know, favorite Martian special edition. What the? I saw that. What the hell is that all about? What? what There's book? a My Favorite Martian special edition. Interesting. Now, I do want to get Dinosaurs vs. Aliens. That does look good. Um, it's written by Grant Morrison. <laughs> um, but it's uh, based on or uh, who also is writing the upcoming movie that uh, Barry Sonnenfeld, the Men in Black guy. It's supposed to be either producing or directing or something like that. So sounds kind of interesting. I'll is, give it a shot. Is the Witchblade book a reprint? You know, I don't know. Because the artwork uh, is from a, 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 an earlier source on the cover. Yeah. So I can't, I can't tell. I know it's by Tim Seeley. Um, it does say this issue serves as a perfect introduction. So readers can either pick up the new can pick up the trade collection or dive into Witchblade 156. I'd imagine this is probably the first issue of Tim Seeley's run. That's what I'm thinking it is, too, because I think that's where that cover comes from. Yeah, so uh, that's, a, you know, I mean, that's a little disappointing, but at least Top Cow has something. You know, I mean... Yeah, I mean, on the one hand, I think it's great for people who don't... And, you know, you, you got to go back to, you know, what the whole purpose of Free Comic Book Day is, and it's to get people reading stuff that they're not reading. You know, so if you're already reading Witchblade... The Witchblade Free Comic Book Day book probably isn't for you. So, I mean, I, I get that. But, you know, as somebody who wants fresh content and I see a Witchblade book, I'm wishing that, you know, that was for me. Yeah. And unfortunately, I, I'm got, not going to lie here. I didn't necessarily care. No, I didn't either. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think they probably should have done one of Ron Mars's books. Or, you know, what would have been perfect. Freaking Artifacts number 13, a reprint of that or Artifacts yeah. number 14. 
Yeah. You know, with that art and all yeah. that stuff, that would have been perfect. But, I have to say, it's it's surprising this year. Looking at the uh, the list, all of the stuff I would be really excited about is all silver books, yeah. except for that hardcover. Well, the hard, I, as far as the uh, that that top tier of gold books, I'm interested in the new Fifty Two. I'm interested, uh, certainly the Mouse Guard book, and I'm curious about the Star Wars Serenity book from Dark Horse. I don't know about that stuff. I mean, I, you know, it's never anything that I typically get hungry for and have to have. But you know, I I like usually they've, they've got very good art on those teams, and I'm just kind of curious to see it. But yeah, I think I think all the meat this year is in the silver category. Now, Wayne, what was that book we read a couple weeks ago about the the teenage sidekicks fighting each other from Danger Image Club? Danger Club. Why was that not the free comic book day book? Oh, you know, and I think you're absolutely right. I mean. I think that would be such a good book to get people in. Mm-hmm. And I think that would have been perfect. And, you know, the archetypes are there. They're, people can recognize, oh, this is Superboy. Yeah. This is Robin. You know, it's not like people would say and say, oh, Danger Club, I've never heard of that. I mean, you know, the, the characters look like their other characters, you know, look like the archetypes. And I think it would have just been – I think that would have been awesome. Yeah. Well, they couldn't do that and then, you know, charge for it a month earlier because people would have known it was coming out on Free Comic Book Day. Yeah, uh, you know, you say that, but they they do that with a lot of books. To be honest with you, I don't know, maybe not. You know what I wish they would do too? I I think there should be a free digital comic book day. Wouldn't you love that, Tim? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> a day where Comicsology just has you know a whole batch of digital comics for free, and it would be cheaper for the companies. You know, because it's they still. Have, all of the free comic book day stuff, they still have to print. They still have to ship. The comic stores are, you know, paying for all of those books. But, but keep in mind, digital comic book day, you wouldn't have as many of those expenses. But keep in mind that the goal is to get folks into a brick and mortar comic book shop. True, true. You know, I'm a little disappointed because IDW last year had their lock and key book. Yep. Which is what got me into Lock and Key, which is now one of my favorite series on the stands. Mm-hmm. And this year they're just doing another Transformers book. There's not even a Transformer movie coming out. Uh, you know, and I don't even see anything from Dynamite. So, eh, I, I mean, I'm I am definitely excited about Free Comic Book Day. You know, because there are, I'd, I'd say probably about five books in here that I am dying for. You know, that I'm just, you know, salivating to get. Um, now, let, let me ask you a question. You know, because this happens to me. Almost every free comic book day, you know, I'll, I'll grab these books that I'm excited about and I bring them home. And then there's gay sex. Is that every free comic book day? I was just going to say they were crap. <laughs> <laughs> um, you get them home and, you know, the, the cover art looks good. And maybe the first page that you flip through looks good. But it's either too slim of a story, you know, that it's just a couple of pages and the rest of it's preview pages from things that are coming up. Uh you know, and it just winds up being an unsatisfying experience with what they gave you on Free Comic Book Day. And, you know, I get it. It's free. But it's like they didn't seize the opportunity to grab you. You know, it depends on the manufacturer. I'd say it depends on the company. And it depends on how much effort they put into their book each year. Like, you know, they're, the people who haven't read Avengers 12.1 are going to get an awesome experience when they read that Age of Ultron point one book this year really i don't recall liking that book very much no i don't either but i mean (laughs) like last year i really enjoyed that spider-man book yes absolutely you know and i think last year was also war of the superman number zero or was that the year before that was the year before 
I mean, you know, it just depends on how much effort is put into the book, to be honest with yeah. you, I, I find. That you War know, of the Superman number zero got at least two, I think three of us, to buy that whole uh, miniseries, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And we, were, we had no intention of doing it until then. And really, we should have just stuck with the free one, because that was the only good issue. Well, and think <laughs> of the things that DC has done in the past. They have kicked off uh, uh, Blackest Night on Free Comic Book Day. Or is it War of the Green Lanterns? I think it was, it was War of the Green Lanterns. I, no, no, you were right. It was Blackest Night. Was it? I'm pretty sure it was Blackest Night number zero was free. Yeah. And I mean, so, so, you know, DC has, has got a good reputation of generating original content, uh, you know, for the, for free comic book day. I just, I don't like the retreading of some things. I mean, on the one hand, yeah, it's a good opportunity to give somebody a full comic book for free, but it's not original content for the day. And again, it's not for us. I'm just, I'm just that guy on the edges going, I wish free comic book day was more for me than, you know, for the uninitiated. So. Yeah, last year DC had a disappointing book. Remember, they just reprinted uh, Green Lantern yes. Rebirth number one or something. Yes. Yeah. And Marvel had the Captain America Thor. Uh, oh book. God, that was so good. That was so that I book mean, was fantastic. You know, it just it really. I, I think honestly, the the way to go is new material because the reprint material just. Well, I think if you go with new material, you excite everybody versus mm-hmm. just people who weren't reading that book. Exactly, because I literally – I have no reason to pick up that Avengers book. No, not because I didn't like it when I paid for it. But it cost my comic shop – I think he said you know, roughly the books cost between 27 and $0.30. Cents. Right. So it cost him money plus shipping. So right. it cost him money to buy that book, mm-hmm. You know, but I don't want it. I yeah. mean I'm hoping that people who watch the Avengers will go get that book from him. But you know, let's be honest. Half of the people who go to free comic book day are people who – go to the comic shop regularly anyway. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I reprinted material. I'm just really iffy on. It's got to be really awesome. Yeah. <laughs> for me to, you know, to be interested. Yeah. The book that I think I would be most excited about that, uh, I probably won't be able to get because free comic book day is the same day as fear the con is the hypernaturals from boom. It's, uh, Abnett and landing, right? This thing. Mm-hmm. And just the description on it sounds really cool. It's a far future. The galaxy is, you know, all peaceful because of a batch of superheroes. Basically, something that sounds kind of like the the Legion of Superheroes until they suddenly just disappear. So it's Abnett and Lanning doing what they seem to do best: the big cosmic stories. I usually don't even like the big cosmic stories, but their description on this sounds really cool. Hmm. I might have to give that one a shot then. That's a free comic book day book. It is. Oh, I see it. Okay, it's from it's from Boom. I, you know why I couldn't find it is that it's not alphabetized under Hypernaturals. It's alphabetized under the, the Hypernaturals. <laughs> uh, Freecomicbookday.com. <laughs> well, you know, I think what Marvel really should have done is they. Re- I mean, I know they're trying to capitalize on the Avengers movie, but that book, the comic book itself, is not really going to flow with the Avengers characters they see in the movie, especially since I believe that's Bucky Cap in that book. See, that's what I thought as well. I think that is Bucky Cap in that book. So that's not really going to flow. I really think they probably should have done something more in line with the movie universe, which, to be honest, Marvel's doing right now anyway. Um, this week in Battle Scars, the, the latest issue of Battle Scars, uh, they introduced the son of Nick Fury, who is uh, black and has one eye and looks just like Samuel L. Jackson, and Agent Coulson, from, who the character uh, introduced in the Iron Man movies. 
as in, in the regular Marvel universe. Uh, and basically Nick Fury, the, the older Nick Fury that we, you know, that we have, have known for 50 years yeah, is kind of, he's not dead, but he's kind of walked into the sunset to be used at a later date. Yeah. I don't care for that. Yeah. They, so. they do that oh. pretty frequently with them, but I think this whole thing is just incredibly stupid pandering that, is more annoying than anything else. Col- Agent Coulson coming in, that's fine. Yeah, I don't have a problem with Agent Coulson coming in. Nick Fury is a character that, like I said, has been around for 50 years. He is an established character. Yeah, I, you know, the newer Nick Fury that they've had in every other form of media doesn't look anything like this guy. But to take the time to create a new Nick Fury to look like the movie and oh it happens to be a son and oh now he has you know missing one eye too and it's the same eye that's kind of ridiculous oh my god what is, you know what Samuel L. Jackson can replace anybody if if Samuel L. Jackson came here and replaced Aaron and we'd be like Aaron was a podcast host for three years he's a established I don't care it's Samuel L. Jackson I'm okay. tired of all these goddamn motherfuckers. Comics on that goddamn table. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm down. I but like this it. isn't Samuel L. Jackson. It's someone yeah, that they made is. look Come like on. Samuel L. Jackson. Every time you read that character, it's going to read like Samuel L. Jackson. That's oh, the yeah. point. I it's love just, it. <laughs> See, for, I, 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 I like Nick Fury. I like the old Nick Fury. I like the comic Nick Fury, and I think a decision like this makes the Ultimate Universe even less, even more pointless. That's what I don't understand about it, is that you do have that character represented on the screen and in the Ultimates. I don't understand why you need to bring it over into the 616. Yeah, and it's on cartoons, because it's... uh, I don't get it. That's the Nick Fury they have in uh, the new Spider-Man cartoon as well. I mean... Well, yeah, I, I I think that that the lines continue to blur between the Ultimate Universe and the Six One Six. I I I just don't see the point. And I love the rich history that that Nick Fury brings. Yeah, I mean Nick Fury is a character in and of himself. The regular Nick Fury and the Ultimate Nick Fury are two completely different so, characters. So maybe we can uh, provide a distinction just to be clear with uh, our audience. We've got you know Samuel L. Jackson Nick Fury, and we got Hasselhoff Nick Fury. So okay, so let's just hold those distinctions out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, you haven't said anything. What's your opinion? Uh, my my vote is for the Hoff, to be honest with you. Yeah. And, and here's oh. the thing. No, I'm not going to lie. I understand the need for consistent portrayals of these characters in media. You are about – I mean Avengers pre-sales on tickets, the pre-sales on the, 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 the opening tickets for Avengers are more than all the other Marvel movies combined. This is going to be a super-duper big hit, right? Yeah. But, you know, I, I, I feel like – you know, I, I don't want to. So I understand bringing in a Nick Fury and an Agent Coulson, so that people who pick up books in the Marvel universe will be like, "Okay, I get it." But here's the thing: a, a couple of problems I have with that. First of all, the book they're releasing the day after the Avengers movie doesn't have any of those characters, right? Um, you know, and so second of all, when they start bringing those characters into the Marvel universe, we're, we're talking months down the line before we see those characters in any other Marvel book, you know, it's probably going to be after Avengers versus X-Men. Well, and what's the relevance of Nick Fury right now? Well, and, he, and they'll probably make him more vel- relevant. That's the I'd thing. imagine they're, 
they're going to take a step back to add him back into the books. Because right now, he's not the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. He's not the, you know, the one putting together the team. I mean, all of that happened over in Ultimates. It's not going on in the regular Marvel Universe. But Nick Fury is very active in the Marvel Universe in the 6.6. I mean, there's all the stuff that's happened with uh, uh, Hickman's Secret Warriors books. Uh, He's got a new Max series coming up. Um, You know, he is very active. I just... I just think every time Marvel does something like this where they, they retcon a character or they sacrifice a piece of their continuity, I think they, they diminish the rich tapestry that is the Marvel Universe. I just want to make it clear. When Samuel L. Jackson comes on this podcast, I'm going to hold his leather jacket while he kicks all your asses. That's my stance <laughs> on that. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I, I want to see what they do with it. You know, but at this point, I'm I'm just I I'm so used to my to the Nick Fury I've known. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love the Nick Fury in the movies. I love the way Sam Jackson portrays him. You know, but in my comics, I really love that character, yeah. and you know, replacing him basically just to make it tie in with the movies. Yeah. You know, I I mean, I'm assuming I got to be honest. I really think we're going to see after Avengers versus X Men, we're going to see a lot of titles reflect their movie counterparts more mm-hmm. um, paul you're used to cutting yourself too but that doesn't make it right either true well you know speaking of cutting myself aaron uh you read avengers versus x-men this week didn't you <laughs> well uh, yeah the uh the versus book yes is that what we're talking about yes we are, we are moving to the avengers versus x-men crossovers um th- we, there were four avengers versus x-men crossover books or tie-in books this week uh, starting with versus number one, uh, Dynamite Stellar uh, Teams, Jason Aaron, Andy Kubert, Catherine and Stuart Amonin, uh two stories all taking place within the pages of Avengers vs. X-Men number two. And I think the best way to explain this book is for Paul and I to engage in a dramatic reading of the explanation first page. Paul, do you have your book available there with you? I do. Uh, I'll read the white lines. Okay. Is that the the Q lines? Yes, I'll read the Q lines. Okay, go. What is this book? It's Versus Number One, the fightingest book you've ever read, where we take fights from Avengers versus X-Men and expand them into all-out smash-ups. Avengers versus X-Men? Isn't that the comic book event of the year? It sure is! So this is part of a big event book that is the centerpiece of the Marvel Universe, with continuity connectivity to all corners of the superhero world? Nope! This book is about awesome brawling! You want plot? Look elsewhere, chum. You want to knock down, drag out, whoopin'? We got you covered. So when do these take place? Right smack in the middle of Avengers vs. X-Men number two. What happens in that issue? What are you, dense? Go buy it if you want to know. This is about fights! Okay, I think I get you. Good. <laughs> Aaron, that was impressive, Paul. You kind of sucked. <laughs> well, I was supposed to be the confused comic right. guy. And I think you, you, you didn't, didn't play that role well, Paul. You didn't bring the confusion in very well. I, I didn't get that. It, it was uh, a little typecasting on our part, but... Uh... Yeah, it was a little bit flat. Aaron brought the energy. He brought the... He, it was a It was a wonderful performance. I, I believe it was a Aaron. typical. It was a typical funny books podcast. Oh, <laughs> face. So th- this book delivers exactly what it promises to deliver: expanded sure. fights from Avengers versus X Men. 
I thought the artwork was good. I thought it was well written. However, it's all fights. And while I, you know, I was like, wow, this is well written. This is well drawn. I don't care. Um, Because, you know, the fights are, are, I I like to see a cool page of a fight, but it's really the story that I really, I really dig. So this book wasn't written for me. I recognize that it's well produced. If that's the kind of thing you're looking for, I think it's great, but it wasn't my kind of thing. I won't. You know why I didn't buy it, Aaron? Because I flipped through it in the store and that got everything I needed from reading it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it. It was a book of fights. So I flipped through. Yeah. Oh, that's a cool panel. That's a cool ban- yeah. panel. That's a cool panel. And I'm done. Yeah. And that is essentially what it is. I mean, it's just, it's all, it's very nicely done. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I mean, the book is beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's well, you know, for what it is, it's well written. I mean, Jason Aaron and, and Catherine, uh, Amon. Catherine Amonin do yep. a damn good job. But this is a $1.99 book. Yeah. It shouldn't have been $3.99. This should be a supplement. And this why the hell be, they didn't give you the free digital copy with it is beyond me. Yeah, you know this is a three. This was they charged three ninety nine for. Honestly, this should have been uh, the first part of this. Probably should have been the uh, the infinite book that came free with Avengers versus X Men number two. Yeah, I mean there there's there's not much here to really grasp onto. Other than you know, don't get me wrong, comics are a visual medium. This yep. is a beautiful book. Yep, it's a lot of fun. It, it, it's a lot of fun. But, but it, there's not much substance to you it. You know where I, I see that where this could really shine, though, Paul, is you know fast forward to like a year from now when AVX is all said and done, uh, and you're releasing your hardcover, putting these stories in between the issues of uh, the, the the core AVX title. So you know you have issue two, and instead of going into issue three, you bring in the versus fights that occurred. Yeah. So you get to well, see that expanded and into like some kind of absolute edition. Well, and here's my question: Is this book? I mean, is are all six issues supposed to take place during Avengers versus X Men number two? I think they're coming out. I don't know this for a fact, but as I understood it, they were going to be uh, sliced in in between each 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 period's book. So you know, I would think that the next one would be the stories that occur during issue three. I hope so, because otherwise, you know, six months from now, because this is a monthly book, not a weekly book. Right. Six months from now, we're still going to be reading something that took place in Avengers versus X-Men number two, which is already out. Right. So, So, but, you know, to that point, I'm not buying the next one. So are are you? It depends on the creative team for me. Mm. I mean, the, the art really, the art really is beautiful. And, um, you know, if they have a decent creative team, I might. I might give it a shot. It is lovely. I'll it's burn lovely. steel the next one too. <laughs> nice. <laughs> now, Paul, did you read New Avengers this week? I did read New Avengers. Um, you okay. mean the okay. eighteen-page okay. comic book New Avengers? Well, hold on though. <laughs> hold on. I'm holding. Okay, New Avengers number twenty-five by the creative team of uh, Brian Michael Bendis and Mike Diodato. Mm-hmm. I know that you have Diodato issues. I do. But tell me that this book wasn't beautiful, Paul. It was a beautiful book, and I got to be honest. Thank I'm going to put it out there. Okay. Not only was it a beautiful book, I enjoyed the book because I love reading about Kun Loon. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I knew that. This. I knew that this was this was right up your alley. Yeah, this book was totally up my alley. And is, the the you know, book is the book is very much a visual book. In fact, the first gosh, one, two, three, four, five. Six pages of story, not a word on the page, not even a sound effect, not a kaboom, 
not a bam. And they are just breathtaking pages. Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you, you know, uh, the the book starts out, uh, uh, you know, hundreds of years ago with uh, uh, in Kunlun with Master UT having prophetic dreams about the Phoenix Force. Mm -hmm. And I would be all over Lady Iron Fist Phoenix. I mean, I was like, oh, fuck, yeah. Yeah, let's do that. Can we tell that story? Because these pages are just gorgeous, are just gorgeous. And, you know, her doing the whole little, uh, you know, kung fu mojo moves as the uh, Phoenix Force descends on her looks awfully darn cool. Yeah, no, I mean, I, 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 it, it, for me, the book was really well done. Uh huh. Um, but I, I still had some issues with it, and I don't know if you did too, Aaron. You know, I, I honestly, I have no complaints about this book. You know, sure. yes, it feels slim uh, in terms of size, but there's a lot on the page. You know, I feel like the space was used very well. Okay, I'll give it that. I mean, I, I feel like it, it is a it, for what you got. I think the the cover price was a bit much. Uh-huh. I agree. Three ninety nine, I thought was excessive. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, again, it's not a bad book. I, I just feel like it. I feel like it was a bit too much, and it's sad because it, you know it's setting up this storyline that's really damn interesting, uh-huh. but ultimately probably won't have an effect on the main AVX title. I, you know, I'm guessing the same. You know, it it feels like. It, this feels like a diversion in some cases, mm-hmm. only because of, of what I'm given to expect about the rest of the series, not from what's in the book. Correct. Okay? Correct. Reading the book on its own merits, this feels like it's important to the rest of the story. Um, I'll be surprised if it is. But taking the book on its own merits, I mean, these pages are stunning. And I love, you know, at, at first glance, it looks like they take two full page spreads and just reuse them. But what they did is they recolored them as and, and it actually tells part of the story uh, as his dreams are really coming into uh, uh, as are really coming together and he's he's drawing conclusions from what his his uh, prophetic dreams are telling him. I just I, I just really dug the art direction on this book. I just really very strong. So I'm with you, Aaron. I I. I, I I'm normally against Mike Diodato art, but I enjoyed it in this book, and uh, I enjoyed the book. Yeah. And uh, you know, if you basically if you're going to tie into a series, uh, a crossover, put Shang Chi or Iron Fist in it, and yeah. I'm on board. Yeah. Well, and it looks. I mean, again, I I have a hard time believing that it's going to be key to the story, but they do show that you know Iron Fist is fe- featured prominently in the next issue of New Avengers. Um. I'm I'm hoping that that this elevates the Iron Fist character a little more because I I I dig Iron Fist. Now, except I will say, for the version on the Spider-Man cartoon, I'm not going to object to that. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I, I also am interested in seeing uh, the Triple X feature Iron Fisting. So <laughs> <laughs> that'll be the next uh, you know Marvel Comics porn parody. <laughs> I'm going to skip that one, I think. Okay, so Paul... Don't even ask me about Secret Avengers. Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Really? I hated this book with a passion. Tim, did you read this book? Yeah. Why don't you talk to me about it? 
Um, I, I, I kind of liked it, to be honest. Now, you know, I, I'm not as big a fan of the uh, the art, but they did one thing very, very I, important. I know what you're going to say. They drew Beast like Beast. Yeah, as opposed to Cat Beast. There was there was a little bit of uh, homage paid to the fact that Valkyrie and Beast were on the Defenders together forever. Yep. I love that. Yeah. It's actual Thor without Matt Fraction. Yep. Love it. Captain Britain being a jackhole. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, when I drink, I become kind of an arse. <laughs> Thor's like, I think I can handle it. <laughs> That's basically what he says. No, I really liked it. And at the, at the end, where they're where they're hinting that uh, Miss Marvel might have some conflicting uh, alignments. Uh huh. Kind of dug that too. See, I'm. See, my my problem with it was the end. I liked the the you know basically the first half of the book. I thought it was fine, even though I I did have art issues with this book. I did not care for the art in this book. Um, but no, that the ending I thought was just kind of like, what the hell's happening here? I, I don't know. The ending was very confusing to me. And maybe it's just my lack of familiarity with the Miss Marvel character. I know she has some. I, I guess her powers come from the Kree. They do. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But it just that that entire conversation just kind of hit me as odd. Well, it, I, I mean, it, yeah, it hints at the fact that Miss Marvel is more than just a hot blonde chick in a bathing suit, which is basically all I've ever gotten from that character. So I thought that was interesting too. But I mean, is it basically that the planet is making them go crazy, or are they legitimately thinking these things? Well, I think that in terms of Miss Marvel, she's being manipulated by. Uh, um, the supreme intelligence. Okay. Well, I think the that, protector, I think that the, the protector the, has always been kind of an okay character too. So I don't know. I don't know. It was just very off-putting for me. The end of this book. I think that her proximity to the supreme intelligence is influencing her, and they have not they have not uh, hinted at that on the page. But I think that's what we're going to find out. And I got to be honest, I was a little again the first half of the book great, but the actual battle with the phoenix power. Yeah, that was lame. So the phoenix can destroy planets but if it shoots you you're just a little injured well it it seems like a spectacularly bad idea that you know you've got the phoenix force which is you know just wall of power coming at you and 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 psychic flame and all that kind of fun stuff and valkyrie is going to go at it with her sword um I don't know exactly what you plan on doing there and but it's a magical sword uh-huh um and the fact that you know you're going to throw war armor out there, that also seems like a spectacularly bad idea. And he was the pinnacle of the plan, basically. Yeah. Which yeah. I don't. Yeah. What? What the hell? What guys? bug? So I didn't. I didn't read this issue, but what's bugged me about the people they've thrown out there to uh, to fight the Phoenix is Beast being there in a ship. You would think if you're going to send people into space to fight, you know, the Phoenix Force. You're going to send really powerful people, but more importantly, people that can survive in space. Well, Beast is there because he's the resident smart guy. Yeah, yeah but- and he designed the device. I mean, it, right. makes, if you, it actually makes sense in the context of the book. Um, Putting anyone in a spaceship against the Phoenix, though, just seems like a bad idea. Like, the Phoenix can just rip the ship up and, oh, now you die from you know, exposure to space. Well, I do like the idea that they uh, stocked, uh, you know, ale on board for uh, for Thor. You know, you're, you're going to go out. <laughs> no to, go, you're going to go out into into space to, uh, you know, 
save the world and you know be sure and let's keep a keg on board for the Asgardian. I yeah, like that. Makes sense to me. I like that. And I, I was really hoping that we were going to get to see, uh, you know, hey, if we're going to die tomorrow, you know, maybe we need to hook up, you know, between Thor and, and the Valkyrie. But oh, uh, sweet Jesus! <laughs> I mean, doesn't that seem appropriate? Yep. <laughs> but it's just like, it, it, for me, what bugs me is everyone's like, oh, this is a suicide mission. It was nice fighting a longie. We're all going to die. But all Phoenix really did was kick their asses. And I don't understand why Phoenix would just kick their asses well, instead of, you know, evaporating them like it did with. A well, and I think that's what planets. was going to happen is that the Phoenix Force was closing in on them and then they got summoned. Then the Phoenix Force got summoned elsewhere. Yeah, but I mean, they it, it, they were messing with it before that point. I don't know. It just seemed kind of shocking to me that the Phoenix didn't just blow through them. Well, maybe See, it's on autopilot without a human host. I've been annoyed by this take on the Phoenix. I mean, Phoenix, yeah, it it destroyed a solar system before in the early uh, early appearances, but it wasn't a force that would go and just destroy a planet. It destroyed planets because it was eating a star. That's a little bit different than actually just wiping out a planet and they seem to be treating the phoenix this time as this ultimate force of destruction that's just destroying stuff to destroy stuff so it was destroying the solar system before so it could eat it was eating the star it wasn't destroying just to destroy it just didn't care about the the people that were living on the planets one thing i don't understand and it's because i'm not a big x-men reader but uh you know, you had the original Phoenix and Dark Phoenix storyline where Jean Grey becomes the Phoenix, becomes the Dark Phoenix, and kills herself on the moon in Uncanny X-Men number 137, right? Sure. And then we have seen some other Phoenix stories, such as, you know, Phoenix War Song, End Song, whatever. Were those not Jean Grey in those stories? I believe that was Rachel Grey. Okay. Because if you read one of these books, one of the books that I read this week, yeah, says, it says that hey, Rachel. when Rachel was the Phoenix, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there were a lot of stories with Rachel as the Phoenix where she'd come back from, but the but none of those were Jean Grey, and she was connected. Jean Grey has been the Phoenix again, though. The and see, and they don't address that in these books. It, it, you're given to believe that the last time Jean Grey was the Phoenix was Uncanny X Men one thirty seven. And that's what I'm finding confusing. I, I can't tell if they're retconning something. Or, or I've what? Been, I've been kind of frustrated by that too because I mean the Phoenix Force has been back, has been associated with other people. It has been, you know, it has been on Jean as well, you know. And she, Jean was the Phoenix when she died last time, right? The uh, the death that actually seems to have stuck for a while. She was the Phoenix then, and it wasn't, you know, no one was worried. I guess some people were probably worried about her being Phoenix then, but it wasn't like this where. The Phoenix is coming. This is this horrible thing. We have to, you know, we have to get to hope. When the Phoenix has been on Earth since Jean Grey. Right. I mean, the last thing it did wasn't destroy a planet and then sacrifice itself. It's been around. Even Emma Frost was Phoenix for, you know, for half an issue once. (laughs) The Phoenix gets around. (laughs) So I, 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 I really liked it. I... You know, I, there's there's a couple issues with the fight that that's fair, but uh, you know, uh, it'll definitely get a flip through next issue for me. I'll give it a flip through. 
Now, what book that didn't get a flip through from me this week is because I'm not in, in the X-Men universe in general is Uncanny X-Men, also an AVX tie-in. But uh-huh. Aaron read it. Aaron, what'd you think? Yeah, and I picked it up because I was interested in – I didn't understand what was going on with Colossus in the Juggernaut armor. You know, because again, not an X Men guy, and you know, I wanted to see the fight between him and uh, Red Hulk, and this could have been an issue of verses, because it was very much you know the fight between Colossus and the Red Hulk, and it retells so much of what happened in issue two of Avengers versus X Men. Um, stories by Kieran Gillen, exceptionally well written, but you know, as other of the books around AVX. It's retelling some things that we've that we've seen in the core titles. Um, you know, it spends more time with Hope around Emma having taken her, you know, into Utopia to be away from the fighting, and so you, you see some more with her. But really, it doesn't tell you anything new. Um, you do see some really interesting uh, scenes between uh, Colossus Juggernaut or Juggernaut Colossus or whatever the hell he calls himself these days. And where, when he loses his cool, he just turns into a monster, you know, uh, using the Cytorak magic and whatnot. Uh, again, I don't understand much of that because I don't know what's been going on with, uh, the X-Men. Yeah. But- I flipped through the book and it was him turning into the monster because of the magic was why I didn't buy it. I mean, if it were just, uh, Red Hulk versus Colossus Juggernaut. Yeah, I probably would have bought it, but I don't know what's going on there. And it's like this just seems too confusing. And why is he turning into a monster? And this makes no sense. Well, the the key thing I think that happens in this book is that in all of the the battle going on between the Avengers and the X Men, Scott Summers Cyclops releases the Avengers Protocol, and the Avengers Protocol is a press release. We go to that press release now. (laughs) Titled, A Letter to Humanity. Today, agents of the United States government came to our house to try to take a girl into their custody. They will attempt to mitigate this by saying it wasn't an arrest. I ask you, if someone arrives at your front door wanting to take away your family without any justification or permission, what would you call it? This is worse than an arrest. This is an attempted kidnapping. They will also attempt to justify this by saying, this girl is dangerous, by which they mean she is a mutant. We have seen that mutant uh, sovereignty, even if confined to a single island, will never be respected. We will never be respected. Those who claim to fight for a better world are those who would keep us on our knees. This jackboot rises only so it can crash down harder. Previously, I have made threats. I implied there would be a price to pay for a transgression like this. I noted that we possess the power to destroy whole cities if those who persecuted us did not relent. I said that if we were pushed, there would be consequences. They pushed us. We have just been proven liars. Be grateful we aren't as bad as you think we are. In the days that come, remember this was not of our choosing, but know that even if we forgive it, We will not forget the day when our worst fears were proven true, that even those who claim to be our friends thought us property. Cyclops. So, press release. Yeah, I I would love to see the Avengers do an alternate press release of, you know everything Cyclops just had to say? (laughs) He's one great big hypocrite because he's doing the exact same thing with Ileana. 
Well, or, you know, picture of uh, <laughs> of the Phoenix Force, you know, from the Hubble Space Telescope approaching Earth. Yeah, this is coming. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we think this girl's got something to do with it. Yeah. Now, I, I, I don't pick up the X-Men. Uh, I enjoyed this book. It was well drawn. It was well written. Uh, I won't be picking up the next one. There you go. Well, that's a shame. But uh, so, uh, out of the four tie-ins, we're gonna—you are planning on picking up the next issue of two of them. Yeah, New Avengers and Secret uh, Avengers. And I'm for three, and Tim is for one. So, is it just me, or at this point, does it seem like the Avengers have a you have a clear you know edge on this fight? You know, yeah. they won both of the battles in AVX number one. Which yeah. I thought was interesting. You know, I, w- I kind of expected Namor to win against <laughs> the thing. It seems a little ridiculous that Namor didn't. Yeah. Well, but he did like, say, you there know. There were multiple people fighting Namor, too. But still, yeah, I agree. I expected him to win, if nothing else. Well, you know, being underwater and all. Yeah, yeah. but apparently not. Apparently that is not the case. Well, you know they're going to give the X-Men the Scroogey if Magneto doesn't win whatever he's doing. And he didn't win either. Really? That was an yeah. AVX one. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that was yeah in the versus book. Yeah. Iron Man uh, beat uh, Magneto. This, yeah. That's ridiculous. But I kind of think that y- there there is that the last couple of panels where Magneto kind of realizes the enormity of the situation. So I, I do kind of think that Magneto threw the fight towards the end because yeah. he he says you know find my daughter you'll need Wanda. Yeah, I you know, agree with I that. I have to say, I so I wasn't here last week when you guys talked about uh, Avengers vs. X-Men number two. It had one of the coolest moments for me reading the book. And it was uh, the Iron Man versus you know Magneto fight where they specifically talk about you might think that a magnetic man versus a man in a suit of armor would be a one-sided fight. But if you think that, you don't know Tony Stark. Yeah, bleep that, that. That was a physics. cool – it was a cool moment. I mean, a guy like Iron Man would not go to fight, you know, the X-Men knowing they have Magneto with an armor that is any way weak to magnetics. Yeah, I completely agree. He's going to use non-magnetic metals. He's going to be completely electromagnetically shielded. He's too smart to fall for that. And when I saw the two of them faced, I thought they were going to do the typical, you know, oh, Magneto's going to rip his armor off, you know, because he's metal. I was glad that they actually gave a little credit to a guy as smart as Tony Stark to, you know, to point out the fact that he's not going to fight Magneto in armor that's weak to him. Well, and I loved when, you know, Tony tries to fight him with the magnetism of Jupiter. (laughs) (laughs) I recognize that magnetic field. That's Jupiter. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, Jason Aaron can write a good fight scene. But you know what Jonathan Hickman can write? He can write a good scene with Annihilus pooping. That's true. <laughs> uh, and that's what you get in FF number 17 uh, by Hickman, Dragota, and Sotomayor. Uh, you get Peter Parker's experience with Johnny Storm as his roommate. And uh, a spectacularly bad roommate is what Johnny Storm is. Yeah, you know, I thought I was going to dislike this book because I thought we had already seen the the Peter and Johnny, you know, friends thing in uh, Amazing Spider-Man. But I 
really enjoyed this book. Oh, this book was a lot of fun. Isn't Sotomayor a Supreme Court justice? Yes, but oh. double times uh, doing work for Marvel. What the yeah. hell? Inker. He inks for Mar- – oh, he's a color artist for Marvel yeah. as well. I loved like I, said, I loved all their interactions. I like that uh, this time you get to see a little bit more of Johnny actually, you know, pushing back in some of their uh, their banter. Yeah, I like particularly love that he's harassing him about Mary Jane. Yo, God, that, you know that was hysterical. because you know, you're like, did Johnny just tap Mary Jane? Yeah, because as I'm flipping, <laughs> as I was reading the book, you get to the big party scene, and I noticed that Mary Jane is grinding up against uh-huh. Johnny. So when he says that later on, I actually bought it. I was wondering that too. I was like, did Mary Jane and Johnny sleep together? <laughs> did Peter like, sleep with a blue alien? Yeah, it was. This was a funny book. This honestly worked. Would have worked really well as an issue of Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, absolutely. Had, very much had that flavor to it. Because I mean, you even have. Because it's not. Even though it's an FF book, I mean, it's totally a Peter Parker focus. Even right. you know, you have the Horizon Lab stuff. I mean, and it and it goes. It even ties in very much with what's going on in Spider-Man. You know, they talk about how. Um, you know, he has the demonstration at Horizon Labs and, you know, all these different things that have, are going on in Spider-Man. Just really fun and well-done book. The art took a little getting used to, but once I got used to it, I was fine with it. Yeah, well, yeah, same thing. I, I really dug the art once I got about two pages in. Yeah, it was it was kind of a, a sharp difference from what I'm used to seeing, mm-hmm. especially in Amazing Spider-Man right at the beginning. Right. But And uh, I... It just amuses me that we're not really joking about Annihilus pooping. <laughs> <laughs> well, that really is a thing. Yeah, it is, and it's 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 traumatizing. It is a traumatizing panel too. Yeah, yeah, Annihilus. You, they even have his pants down around his ankles while he's sitting on the toilet and yeah. reading. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite part of the book is when you know Johnny Storm takes a, a sip of some type of alien. Liquor or whatever. Uh, liquor. Yeah. And um, you know, he shoots fire from his mouth. And then Peter Parker decides to take a shot himself. And like the next two pages are just like the craziness that Peter Parker goes through after taking that shot. Yeah. And uh, just his reaction to the shot just cracks me up. Because yeah, you don't I mean, see Peter Parker let loose like that. Exactly. I mean, it's the whole him standing up in the backseat of the convertible racing through town with the horse driving, by the way. <laughs> in a bar fight, you know, the horse, uh, you know, striking up a romance with the police officer's horse and Pete passed out on the street. Pete dancing in the nightclub with uh, with the with the the blue skinned fin headed woman. And then, of course, you know, Mary Jane in the background grinding on uh, on Johnny Storm. I, I thought the book was a lot of fun. Oh, it was I a agree. whole lot of fun. And I even like that there's that moment where, where Pete's like, you know what? Maybe he's not such a bad roommate after all. Maybe I've been looking at this the wrong way. And then, of course, you know, he hears Johnny Storm talking to uh, somebody that he assumes is Mary Jane. And the, the dialogue's hysterical. It's this, you know, hey, you know, baby, tigers don't like to cuddle, but I will because I'm a lion. No, no, <laughs> you hit the jackpot. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this book was hysterical. This book was a whole lot of fun. <laughs> uh, you know, John, Jason Aaron or Jonathan Hickman has done some really great Dunham ones. Absolutely, 
on his run, and uh, I I hope because I know his run is almost over. I hope he keeps up this trend. Yeah, they haven't announced what he's going to do after. I mean, I just assume they're going to renew his contract because why wouldn't you? Um, but uh, you know, the the this is a nice companion book to the Fantastic Four issue that he just completed. That was really kind of a a a, a story of the friendship of Reed Richards and the Thing. Um, yeah, this I, I he's just he's got a knack for this. So many guys can't write it done in one book, and he had really has a talent for it. Yeah, which I is mean, crazy because he's that so reading, known. Oops, that sorry, reading ahead. Thing book was still. I mean, I said that was my book of the week that week. That yeah. was just so good. I mean, this seems to be really within his roundhouse. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, which is crazy to me because he's so known for his long form storytelling. Oh Joe. yeah, yeah. But speaking of a long form story. Daredevil number 11 came out this week. The conclusion of the Omega Effect, which was a short story, only three issues, um, but is the continuation of the story that has been building since issue one of Daredevil featuring the uh, the Mega Drive. And I was surprised to find, you know, since the since everything from issue one of this run of Daredevil has led into uh, the Omega Drive story, the Omega Effect story. Um, I just assumed that it was going to wrap the story up in this issue. Yeah, I think Paul put it best when he said that this is the continuation of that story because it's not the end of it. Yeah, and I was disappointed in that, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I love the crossover. I love this issue. I think this was a wonderful issue. I was – yeah, I was a little annoyed at the end because it's now been – we've had you know a three-issue crossover that was built up and made this big deal – that doesn't change the status quo in any way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. everything at the end ends exactly the way it started. I mean, the and crossover some- was fun. The issue was great, but nothing really happened. As somebody who just jumped on for the for the three issue story, I kind of feel the same way. Like yeah. there was some character development with uh, Punisherette or whatever. I, I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, you know, other than that, I mean, it was fun. It was well written. It was it was beautifully drawn. But yeah, Jack Dick happens by the time it's all done. Yeah. Uh, well, I got to be honest. The the books that had the most change as a result were issues one and two. Well, I was gonna I was gonna say was the Punisher of the three yeah. books that it tied into. Punisher is the only one that really has a change, and that character who has been there since issue one is now dead. Right. Oh, no, she's not dead. No, she got That's up. Right. And, she, she got up. She got up and walked off. Yeah, she got so, I mean, yeah. so you're right. There, there, there was. I mean, it, ultimately, it was kind of a. While it was a fun crossover, ultimately, it had no influence. Well, I think I think the change that that you'll see in the Punisher book is that perhaps Cole and the Punisher aren't working together anymore. Yeah, but even then, that was only a recent development in the last two right. or three issues, anyway. Right. Yeah, and it was something I didn't know that character until this crossover. <laughs> I really got a kick out of her in this story, at least, particularly this issue. Her interactions with Daredevil. What this crossover did very well. It didn't move the story along. It didn't change anything, but the character moments. Those were what was good. This wasn't very much a character-driven crossover. The interactions between Spider-Man and Punisher, in particular, you know, were very good. I I love how they're dealing with each other. I like the uh, the scene in here where he he's talking to him, and Punisher easily saw that his sidekick Cole was the one that had shot Daredevil, but Spider-Man was clueless about what's going on. 
you know what would have been cool and a, and a pretty pretty decent thing is if they developed Cole and Punisher, and then in this issue, she decides at the end to work with Daredevil. Yeah, I was actually hoping that was going to happen. I, when we I get might, to those I, scenes as they were talking and he's getting through to her, I I had so much hope that this was going to be a supporting character in Daredevil. Still could be. It still could be, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, I mean, if, if that had happened, I, I might have been hooked on Daredevil. I was I was a little disappointed in the way this wrapped up. I just you know it didn't feel like it it stuck the landing. Yeah, I was also, not a bad. Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say just not a bad crossover overall. A fun crossover, worth the read. I'm glad I read all of it. I just considering the promotion behind it, I expected a little bit more of a resolution. And really, yeah. there's no resolution other than Dare, Daredevil now likes to wear bling around his neck. Exactly. <laughs> but we do get. Uh, Two Daredevil books in the month of May. I was excited to see that. And then one of them is uh, as early as next week. Yep. Yeah. Hey, and not only that, I think Daredevil number 12 or 13, I don't remember which one, um, is the book where uh, your artist guy from uh, The Mighty Thor or Thor the Mighty Oh, uh, Chris Somney? Chris Somney mm-hmm. uh, jo- joins the title awesome. sometime in the next couple issues, too. So I'm excited. You know, I think a free comic book day book I would have given out would have been issue one of this run. Oh, yeah. yeah. If I was going to do a reprinted book, I would have done issue one of Daredevil. Yeah, but, you know, Daredevil, the movie, isn't coming out on May 4th. I agree. I agree. May the 4th be with you. Hey, you. But you know what? If you want a free comic book, you can enter for a chance to be one of five winners drawn into an upcoming Avengers comic and win a Harley Davidson motorcycle customized by you. Did you read that Harley Davidson Avengers book? No. Is there really one? Yeah, it's free on Comixology, and it is terrible. <laughs> it's terrible is it written by uh harley davidson um <laughs> it's written by harley davidson not uh kickadonkey podunk it is not written by kickadonkey podunk however uh pencils are provided by porn stash uh porn stash <laughs> pistachio so uh, it's a uh, it's some kind of harley davidson you know promotional tie-in so i guess the the harley that appears in the book are written by some of the superheroes like Ghost Rider? I uh, know, like no. Captain America. Oh. <coughs> Excuse me. Aaron Black Shire. Widow, etc. You know, those are characters that are cool to ride a motorcycle. They've there's precedence. Now, if you were going to say Spider-Man and Iron Man were on a motorcycle, I was ready to go all ragey red. Well, you know, a Spider-Man could have the spider bike cuz you know, he's had the spider buggy before. This is true. But it drives don't... up the sides of buildings, Wayne. Like we like the spider buggy. <laughs> We did. Uh, he actually has the spider bike in the new Spider-Man cartoon. That's really bad. <laughs> you know what character I could see riding a motorcycle, though? I could see the darkness riding a motorcycle. Jackie Estacado. So I think he's more dark- of a Segway guy. I gotta be honest. You think so? Yeah, a darkness said seg- a dark Segway. Yeah. So <laughs> evil with the black skull on the front. Yeah. Yeah, little some some flames painted on the side, maybe some decals. Yep. Um, Cup holder so, for a Starbucks. <laughs> uh, wearing a T-shirt from Hot Topic. <laughs> Darkness number one hundred and two came out this week from Top Cow. This is the second issue in the rebirth, you know, the rebooted Top Cow universe. Um, now, Darkness basically is the only one that comes with the baggage of the pre-Top Cow universe because he's the one who knows. Um, Jackie Estacado knows is the only one who remembers the pre-rebirth universe. Um, and so David Hine writes the book. 
um, art by Jeremy Hahn. And uh, basically, if you haven't read issue 101, spoilers on, Jackie and the Darkness are now two separate beings. The Darkness has left his body, and uh, but still does his bidding. So, Tim, uh, I'm, I'm curious. You know, We don't t- typically talk about the Darkness on the podcast. I'm, I'm curious to hear what you thought of this issue. I, I really like the fact that they – in my opinion, because I, I, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a big reader of uh, this character. I picked, I've, I've read the, la- I read the last issue. I think they fleshed out his character a lot more for mm-hmm. me. I, the part of the that character that's interesting to me is the part where he's really trying to hold on to his family and try to make a new start. Mm-hmm. The part that's less interesting to me is the whole gangster thing. Yeah. So I like the fact that you know they had a uh, a mechanic to. Uh, separate that basically yeah it's almost like gotta be honest it's almost like reading the sopranos or something uh-huh. with supernatural elements in it um because i'm, Jackie, curious. I'm sorry i'm kind of curious now that they're separated does that mean he can have sex now you know they yeah well okay so jackie has a, a kid now if he gets off the couch <laughs> he's sort of on the couch in this issue this is true. But Jackie has a kid. Uh, so in the pre-Rebirth universe, Jackie and Sarah, the Witchblade, had a daughter named Hope. In the new Top Cow universe, Jackie's old love Jenny is alive again. She pre- she was previously dead. And him and Jenny have a daughter named Hope. Um, so I'm assuming, yes, he can have sex in this universe. But the problem with, you know, Jackie created this universe. In, in Artifacts number 13, Jackie created the universe this way. Uh, the problem is that it's all kind of crumbling down. He has this criminal empire that is constantly under attack. And meanwhile, Jenny, it's almost like she hates him. You know, she's come to resent him and his lifestyle. Which so, makes sense, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, you know, so it, it, you know, he created this universe thinking it was all going to be hunky dory, and it's kind of crumbling in on him. Um, and so it's a like, like I got to be honest, Tim, I totally agree with you. You know, the stuff where he interacts with his business partners, eh, I, 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 that was a, a, a drag for me to read through. There's but potential he, there, but I'm not feeling it nearly as much as I'm feeling the redemption angle. Exactly. You know, the stuff with his family is just so strongly written comparatively. But I mean, it's, it, it is a good book. I could see this, you know, as you read it, I could see it as like an HBO TV series or something. You know, it, it's that type of grim, gritty, modern crime thing. It just happens to have the supernatural element, which, to be honest with you, is only like three pages of this book. Do we actually see the darkness as a, a supernatural entity? So no, I thought it was a better better issue than last issue, and uh, I I'm, I think I'm going to read the next one just to see where it goes. Yeah, I'm on board. Uh, you know, I'm going to keep reading, see where this at least where this first story arc goes. Uh, I'm enjoying it more than I'm enjoying the the Witchblade Rebirth stuff, but you know, I will say for both books, I'm not enjoying either one as much as I enjoyed them pre Rebirth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with the original creative teams of Ron Mars and Phil Hester, so. You know, we'll we'll see where they go. Well, that's kind of interesting, Paul, because I know you've liked the, art, the, the uh, artifacts books. Well, and uh, that one's—I will say that one's more the—I'm more specifically looking at uh, Darkness and Witchblade. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I'm with you. Artifacts, I'm loving artifacts, uh, both pre and post rebirth. In fact, I got to be honest, I love it more. That one I love more post rebirth mm. because you know I'm, I'm enjoying that it's not a crossover; it's just a fun, good book. But. Uh, you know, so I, I, I'm a little, 
I'm, I'm wondering what happened to Magdalena. I know that book has had a lot of delays. I, I'd like to see a new issue of Magdalena sometime soon, see what's going on in that book. But um, you know, Top Cow Universe, now is a good jumping on point. You know, Darkness is only two issues into its reboot. Witchblade's only four issues in. Um, and Artifacts is really the book to read, though. So Yeah, and next- knowing, knowing Top Cow, you're going to have uh, you know, pretty fairly cheap paperbacks coming or uh, you know, graphic novels coming out shortly. Yeah. In fact, we and were the just talking. artwork will be spectacular. Very true. In fact, I, I'd say on all three of the books, regardless of the storylines, the art has been pretty solid all around. So, in fact, if you're listening to this on Monday, um, Comixology still has a sale on Darkness Trade paperbacks. You can get the entire run of Phil Hester's uh, artifact or Phil Hester's Darkness book for I don't know. I mean, we're talking like fifty books for under fifty bucks. So good deal. Digital Comics, Tim. Digital Comics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Uh, but next week, we will not be talking about new comic books. I'm still gathering my B team. I shouldn't call them the B team. Yeah. <laughs> the replacements. Yes, I'm still <laughs> gathering the replacements uh, to talk about the Avengers movie that comes out this coming Friday. Uh, so, hey, I hope- hey, my hot chick, Paul. Huh? Um, well, uh, I. Uh, eh. Eh. Not yet. <laughs> win that bet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're not saying that there aren't hot chicks that listen. We're saying none of them want to talk to Paul. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not surprising. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, you have a good time at Fear the Con, and uh, we will catch up with you when you get back. And, you know, Paul, while we're at Fear the Con, um, I'm sure that no one will say anything bad about you. Or my mother. And that would certainly not happen. You know that that wouldn't be gentlemanly. We would yeah. do that. Mm-hmm. So I have a spot. Tell her it's Paul, though. So. <laughs> yes, tell her it's Paul. Ooh, maybe I should do something in my game where if anyone makes fun of Paul's mom, they get something special. Ooh, because I can't do it, but that doesn't mean I can't get my players to do it. Very good. I like it. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Paul. Well, you mind the store while we're out of town. I'll try not to burn it down. It don't. I said I would try. And try. don't sit in my chair. I'll try not to do that, too. No promises. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. Podcast.